0: Please take your Bibles tonight and open them with me to the book of Colossians. Please keep your Bibles open. We'll be looking at a few verses tonight. Other places, Colossians chapter number 1. Colossians chapter number 1. This morning I spoke about walking in the truth. And tonight I want to um, preach on the exciting truth about the truth and I want to show you something that will help you as a believer in your growth uh, in the Lord and because there's one thing about truth nobody has it stored up and nobody has a corner on it nobody knows everything that there is to know one thing that's so great and wonderful about God and about the Bible is that you can continue to learn some things about the Lord until the day that you take your last breath. And I want you to look in Colossians 1, and if you continue uh, to uh, walk in the truth, watch what happens here. Notice what the will of God is as Paul is praying for his uh, this congregation. And notice what he said in verse 7. <coughs> Excuse me. As you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Well, how is this man of God praying for them? He says, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding." And the reason for that is is that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing and being fruitful in every good work. And here is really the, the cherry on top. It says, and increasing in the knowledge of God. As you respond to the truth that God exposes you to, you will, and you walk in it, You'll become more fruitful in your life, and I'll show you that in just a moment. But also, you'll begin to increase uh, in the knowledge of God. Now, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I want to show you something here. If you feel like that you have attended church now for 20 or 30 years, and you've been to Bible conferences, and you've been to camp meetings, and you've read your Bible through probably 10 or 15 times, and you have read after this person and that person and you listen to these tapes and well, nobody uses tapes anymore, CDs and whatever. These, sometimes you may feel like that you have just about gone as far as you can go and that nobody else has anything to teach you or to help you with. But I want to encourage you tonight to read this verse with me here. It kind of whacks you in the face, but but it is to help you. Sometimes you have to get discouraged and then get encouraged about the truth. Here's what he says in verse one. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we have that we, he said we know that we all have knowledge, and he referred, referring to the fact that you know that an idol is really nothing. That there's only one God, one true God. If you know, if you're saved, he says. But look at this. <coughs> Excuse me. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And so you can know some facts, but if you don't walk in that truth, you're not really being profitable to anybody. You're not really being a blessing. You might be a walking biblical encyclopedia. You may be the Bible answer man, but you're not really making any difference in anybody's life and you're not profitable for the kingdom. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to just study to know facts about the Bible. You know, some people are very good at Bible trivia. If we had a Bible game tonight and you know you, you want to know certain uh, you know things about the Bible and people know trivia means usually it's trivial. what you know is trivial, and uh, you might know how many kings uh, or how many uh, this and how many that and who was here and who was there, but it doesn't really make any difference when it comes to fighting sin and the devil and the flesh or helping somebody. I'm not saying you should ever ever. Look down on knowledge. But truth applied makes a big difference and God's going to start showing you stuff about Him. Now watch. He says in verse 2, And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth what? Say that again? Man, come on now. It says, He knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know how about that so there's more to know and it it, no matter how old you are how far you've been down the pipe I'm telling you God is so big and so wise and so smart and so deep and so wide that there's more to know and I want to show you some things about this now so you know when you get saved it's man it's it's just wonderful it's like God putting you You know, inside uh, you might say uh, Noah's uh, ship and you're protected from the wrath of God. But I don't want to be just hanging on a knob uh, in the cruise ship, you know, while I'm being saved from the wrath of God. I, I want to know what my benefits are. If I pay for a cruise, I'd like to know what all of my benefits are you know, I mean, you may you may get on that cruise ship if you've ever been on one. Usually they've got more food than you could ever imagine, a whole lot more than you need. And you may feel like, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I'm just going to get one plate. Well, that's probably all you need, but that's not all that's available. You can go back for ten plates if you want to. I'm just saying that sometimes you just don't realize how good God has been to you when He saved you and what He has for you. But... Here's what I want you to look at. I want you to turn with me to Acts 18. I want to show you three characters. I'm going to study three characters tonight for a few minutes and look in Acts chapter 18. Let's start first of all. And, uh, you know, when you get saved, the Bible calls you a son. Do you agree with that? You're a son of God, a child of God. If you go through the First Timothy and Second Timothy, you'll see it marked out very clearly. You're a son of God. You become a soldier of the Lord because you are in a battle immediately. You have changed sides, and the other side's not happy about it. And you become a student. You study your Bible, you come to Sunday school, you come to church, you learn, you take notes. You should always be a student. And it transforms you ultimately to be a, a servant of the most high god if you haven't reached the servant status you're still stunted in your growth now you may not be stunted in some of the bible facts that you know but you're stunted in your growth because you're not applying some of the things that you have learned because if you apply what you've learned you will become a servant of the most high god that's the way it works now notice with me here in Acts 18. Uh, you know, Brother Ed mentioned a passage this morning in Hebrews 5 how that if you become dull hearing, you will become stunted in your growth. You've got to always come to church, and you do. You're, you're a wonderful group of people to preach and teach because you come, you bring your Bibles, and you, you actually look like you're interested in what's being said. Now some of you might be faking it pretty good, but I'm just telling you, you look like you really come because you wanted something from the Lord. And I appreciate that. I do. And when you ask me questions in private, you seem to be in it sincere in wanting to know some things about the Word of God. Look in Acts 18 with me, please. Now, here's the way this is going to work now. And I need, you to, I need you to follow me and I need you to listen carefully. Because as God begins to give you some truth, you know, if you're going to walk in the truth as an individual you're going to have to be willing, number one, to be teachable, but number two, you've got to be willing to be changeable. If you're going to walk in the truth, you've got to be teachable. But you also have to be willing to change. That's not easy. Look at Acts 18. Look at this this guy right here. Look at Acts 18. And I'm not talking about being given to change. I'm not talking about changing every week about something. I'm talking about putting your heels in the sand and Lord, if this is true, if this is right, Lord, show me. And if it is, I promise you, I'll make the changes that you want me to make. But I don't want to to be manipulated. I don't want to be intimidated. I don't want to be misled by some man's opinions about things. Lord, if this is what you want me to do, then God, I'm willing. Boy, when when you say that, Business picks up. Look at Acts 18 with me again, please. Look at this. Verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man. Now look at this. And mighty in the Scriptures. Mighty in the Scriptures. Do you know how hard it is for a man that's mighty in the Scriptures to be teachable and to change? Hmm. Well, maybe it says he's mighty in the Scriptures because he's hungry for truth. It didn't just say he was full of Scriptures. It said he was mighty in the Scriptures. He was walking in the truth and the light that God had given him. And he is zealous about it. And he says this, and he came to Ephesus. This man was instructed. What does that tell you about him? He was teachable, wasn't he? Somebody taught him what he knows, and boy, he ate it up, and he began to apply it. He didn't become just a Pharisee or a Sadducee. He was eating it up, and he wanted to tell others about what he'd learned. And the Bible says, being fervent in the Spirit. This guy is real. He's hungry. He wants to grow. You tell him what he knows. The Bible says he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord. And what he is teaching now says knowing only the baptism of John. So he heard John the Baptist preaching like a house of fire. And he responded to that message and no doubt believed the Messiah was coming. And no doubt followed him in baptism. And buddy, who took that message and he ran with it? The scripture says. So we see he was teaching, but he remained teachable. And his loyalty here in this passage was not to his previous teacher, but to the Lord. Sometimes we are very slow about changing something that God shows us because we feel like we're betraying somebody who taught us something. And our loyalty is not to a... Denomination, it's not to a man. It is unto the Lord. Okay? Because maybe those men taught us everything that they knew at that time. All right? And it says here that He remained teachable. And when you remain teachable, you remain changeable. Keep that in mind. Be strong-willed. I ask you to do that. But don't be self-willed. Don't be easy to turn but be able to be turned by the truth. Okay? And look what he says here. Now, it says, And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. I appreciate this about him. Whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard. Now, this is a couple that loves God and who had a tent business and who even helped the Apostle Paul with their business while he would come in and work with them some and help them mend some tents and then... Uh, make a little money and he would preach and do some things in the town and they even opened up their home to him. I mean, they laid down their lives. They risked their necks for the gospel's sake. Well, they heard this man teach. They've already heard that message. They knew where that message belonged and they knew that it was time for him to move past that message to another stage. Do you know that? And the Bible says, it, listen, he wasn't deceived. He was just ignorant. You understand? He was ignorant. He wasn't deceived. He was ignorant. Big difference. He didn't know. And so they, they, took, him, they took him aside. They did not stand up and correct him publicly. They pulled him to the side. And I appreciate that. It it a lot easier when somebody privately speaks to you about something. Hey, listen, I'd like to talk to you about something. I see that you know your Bible, and I believe that you believe your Bible. Can I show you something else maybe that you haven't seen? Would you consider this? And then you have to wait for the Spirit of God to confirm that in somebody's heart for them to embrace that. You can't make them embrace it. And look what he says. And they took him unto them, and look at it says, and expounded unto him expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So they're taking their time and they're laying it out and they're showing him that, hey, John the Baptist pointed the way, but the way came and was crucified and was raised again. Now you need to trust him as your Lord and Savior. Now that's revealed in Acts 19 when he meets some other guys who knew only about the baptism of John. Now look in verse 27. It says, And when he was disposed... Now here's what I want you to see out of this passage. Let's, let's read on Then I want to give you some points here. And when he was disposed to pass unto Achaia, the brethren wrote, Exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come helped them much, which had believed through grace for he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Wow. He's got a different message. And he's carrying it. But he's, he's saying, Listen, I'm convinced this is the truth and I can prove it to you based upon what the Scriptures say. And this is the thing about when you start learning the truth and you start growing, you need to... Not allow your conscience to be molded and manipulated by the opinions of the brethren, but rather by the Holy Scriptures in their context and in their proper order. That is critical for you to walk in the truth. So, here's what you say about him. Number one, he was was teachable. Amen. And because he was teachable, he was changeable. And because he was changeable, he was usable. You hear that? You want God to use you? You got to be changeable when God shows you something so that he can use you. The scripture says here, listen, God opened some doors for him. As a matter of fact, they wrote letters exhorting the brethren to receive him. They confirmed his ministry. They said, you don't have to worry about this brother. He's okay. He'll be a blessing to you. And so the Holy Ghost knows your heart and can use you to tell the truth if you'll walk in it. Being usable means that you become profitable for the kingdom of God. That means that when... Let's say, for example, like Brother Travis. Brother Travis was... I know him more than better than you do, but he's he's teachable. He wants to know. When he has some issues, he calls for counsel with his pastor. He calls me often. Not often, but when he has an issue, he just wants to say, what do you think about this? He wants to do what's right because he wants to be profitable for his church. He wants to be usable by God. I would say that God used him while he was here with us. I would say he was profitable for us. You see, and when a man is profitable, God opens doors and, and, and places and people and opportunities because God sees that man is walking in some truth or that woman is walking in the truth. And I'm talking about it, has to, it doesn't have to be in a church setting. It can be in a private setting. Aquila and Priscilla were used of God in a private setting and God may use you in a private setting. Apollos happened to be gifted to handle things publicly. Not everybody is. So, you see, he becomes profitable. And so be very very careful when somebody begins to influence you and impact you, but they take away your usefulness. If you get out of if, if that person in, it influences you, and you get out of church or you get away from people that have that have loved you and that are that are biblically strong, and you get away from them because you, you started following somebody that's a heretic, you, you're not going to be usable by the Lord except to cause division and harm. And so I hope and pray you understand this, being usable and you become profitable. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4 real quick. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. I'm looking at some men and women who love the Lord, who believe their Bibles... I just, I just don't need you to get hung up on Baptist traditions or any other kind of tradition. I need you to follow the Word of God. And uh, some things, you know, are just men's traditions. 1 Timothy chapter number 4, verse 15 and verse 16. Look at this here. This is Paul writing to a young preacher who was teachable, who was changeable, who was usable, and who became profitable. Look at verse 15. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. How do you interpret that? It means that somebody is reading their Bible and they're applying it to their life. And you can see it the way that they live. That it is impacting them and that it's profitable to them. Therefore, it makes you profitable to somebody else. Now watch. Look at verse 16. He's talking to a young preacher and it does apply to them, but it also will help you. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Be sure you know what you're being taught. <coughs> Continue in them. What does that mean? Walk in the truth. That's what that means. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. That word save. You're not talking about saving their souls to go to heaven. He's talking about delivering them from lies and snares of the devil and and delivering them from the issues that they have in their own private life. Because if the Bible's working in your life then it's going to, you you know yeah, yeah I had that problem but I'll tell you what God showed me. Yeah, yeah I used to do that but i am tell you what the Lord taught me over here. Well, I was in a service one time and I heard a man of God preaching and this is what the Lord taught me about that. It might be about being a good wife. It might be a good mother. It might be about being a good teenager. Maybe you might go to youth camp and a man of God gets up and he preaches and the Lord just really speaks to your heart through that man. Because what he has learned has profited him and now God's using him to profit you. That's the way it works. All right. But there's something else about this. Look in Romans 14 real quickly with me please. As you grow and God may, if you say, well I tell you what, I've... Brother Roger, I believe the same thing I did 30 years ago and ain't nothing about me that's changed. Well, I'm gonna say that's not really a good thing to say. Did you know that? I mean are you, are you that hard-headed? Now there's some things you should never change on. Your Bible, the blood of Christ, the blessed hope, there's some things that you never change on, but God is going to increase your knowledge of him. And there's going to be a point and place and time in your life and you say, you know what, Lord, I was, I was wrong about that. Or maybe, Lord, I, I, I can see, Lord, where I, I didn't get that just right. Or maybe it was because of the influence of some other men, good men, that meant well. Look at Romans 14. If you're teachable, changeable, usable, you'll become profitable. But you'll also become more amiable. With each other. I'm talking about believers. I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about believers. I'm talking about you're not so quick to judge them on things that don't matter. You watch little kids, they'll fuss and fight over something that doesn't matter. I hope you get past that when you get a little bit older. Amen. I hope if you're going to get in a fight, I hope it matters, but I hope it's something that's important. And uh, again, Romans 14, what is that about? We could we could spend several services on this chapter. But really, look in chapter 14, verse 1. Him that is weak in the faith receive you, but not to doubtful di- di- disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth herbs. So is it possible that two believers, not at the same level, not at the same knowledge of the truth, might disagree on something... That's not determining their destiny of eternity. And he said, Don't let that divide you and your fellowship. That could be about a holy day. Uh, that could be, you know, maybe you have your own beliefs and thoughts about, uh, I mean, gosh, I, I, I'd be careful stepping into this lest I offend some of you. People have different ideas about Christmas, they have different ideas about Easter, they have different ideas about the 4th of July about the American flag, about joining in the military, about having blood transfusions, about taking a vaccine or not taking a vaccine. There's all kinds of things out there that are not in black and white in the Scriptures, and the Lord allows a brother or sister to have a different opinion than you do. And you are not to divide the church body. You see, the more you... Listen, this is when you become teachable and changeable and usable and profitable, you become amiable in areas that are not critical to the faith. You are not a compromiser because you avoid things that you just let, maybe if you you know that you're right, there is a strong and a weak brother here. And the strong brother says, you know what? You go ahead and do what you feel is best and, and, and I'm not going to criticize you but I know where my liberties are and I know what I can and can't do. You just go right ahead and do what you think is best. You see, it's important that you understand this. And I repeat this again to you. Bible-believing churches are at their best when dealing with false doctrine. They're at their worst when dealing with doubtful disputations and differences of opinions. Petty and peripheral issues become poison to the unity and harmony of the assembly. Now what's going to happen is you zero on something and you start harping on people and you start you start hammering the people about something that you feel like, man, is just a life or death situation and it's really not, it's just your strong opinion about something. You wind up dividing the flock, and God's not going to use you. He's just not. Because it's about you, it's not about him. And as you grow and mature, you begin to realize some of those things. You begin to grow and mature in some of those areas. Man, I can think of some things as a pastor growing up in Louisiana, Mississippi and Louisiana, that the the older brethren placed upon my conscience. And I just assumed were true because they were Bible believers. And, and And I know I didn't know as much as they did, but they placed these things upon my conscience. And being a young pastor, I took those things with me. And when I got to Louisiana... And uh, the Catholics began to challenge me on where would you get that from? You know, then I realized that I had some traditions just like they did. And I had to just move to the right. I I I had to move to the middle where the Scriptures are. One of those, I'm just going to use one for example. One of those was hair on the face of men. Now That was back in my, I was saved in the early, late 70s. And they were still fighting this battle about the 60s and and, and about long hair on men, which is a good thing to fight. Uh, because you should not have long hair. The Bible makes that very clear. But they were saying, man, you couldn't have a mustache. You couldn't have a beard. You know, that it was worldly. You know, all of those things. And so when I pastored my uh, uh, second church in Louisiana, you know, uh, some of the guys that would come in, and got they got saved, and some of them started growing a mustache or a beard. And I said, no, you're not going to do that. Not here. If you're going to be holy and be right with God. you have got to shave that off. And you know what those good men did? They did what I asked them to do. Boy, I didn't ask them. And they did it. And you know what I had to do when God uh, grew me up a little bit? I had to get up in the pulpit and say, Brethren, I'm just here to tell you that one of the distinctions in the Word of God is between a man and a woman in the Old Testament was a beard. And God wanted those men to have a beard. Amen. And he didn't want him to even round the corners off. And I'm just saying the brethren got on top of that thing and they meant well. But it wasn't right. It just wasn't right. And so, man, I had to get past that. You know, I had to ask him to forgive me. That's a a little thing. And it can become a a big thing if you keep hammering on it. I said, Lord, that's, that's just not right. And then there's some other things, peripheral things. But the Lord taught me That the Word of God needed to meet. And listen, this is when God began to open doors for me to preach and use me around the globe is when I said this in my heart. I said to God, Lord, your words are going to matter more to me than the words of the brethren. And when I said that in my heart and meant it, that meant that I became changeable, and usable, and profitable, and amiable. You understand? I hope you do, because maybe somewhere in your back back there, somewhere you you kind of drew a tight circle and you realized that this this may not be exactly right, but you were too proud to let that circle get broken. But it needs to get broken. In some areas, you want God to use you. All right. Well, that went over real good. So let's move on to the next one. Let's go to the book of Galatians, all right? Look in Galatians, please. Galatians chapter number 2. Galatians chapter number 2. Now, let's talk about... That was Apollos. God really helped him and used him. Now, I want you to look at the second guy real quick. I want you to look at Peter. Let's talk about him and how that... When you begin to walk in the truth how that uh, it impacts the unity of the church collectively. And if you walk contrary to the truth, it affects the unity of the Spirit and of the assembly, especially if you're in leadership. All right, look in Galatians 2, please. This is where Paul goes there to speak to these folks and to correct some things that are going on. And if you'll notice right here in verse number 11, But when Peter was come to Antioch, primarily at Antioch were Gentile believers. There were some Jewish brethren there. I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. If I am going to be usable and if I'm going to grow in the truth, I ask you this question, are you correctable? Hmm? Are you correctable? Can you take it? Now watch. Verse 12. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. And when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. These were men that were very, uh, you might say, uh, somewhat legalistic in their lives. And they had power and they had authority and they had influence over the thousands that were saved in Jerusalem. And they leaned toward the Mosaic law more than they leaned toward grace. Verse 13 says, And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. And Barnabas and Peter both were great men. Do you agree that they were great men? Peter stood on the day of Pentecost and preached boldly. Thousands were saved. Preached again. Thousands were born again. God revealed some things to him that he didn't reveal to other men like when he was up on the rooftop. And, and, and God brought that vision, that sheet down and showed him that God no longer was going to uh, keep them underneath the Mosaic Law as far as those meats were concerned and those holy days were concerned. And that's a big. you know what? That's a big change. So did the Lord reveal to Peter that things were changing? And did Peter change? Yes, he did. And what he allowed to happen was, he did change, but he felt more comfortable living that changed life when he was with the Gentiles. But when some of the older brethren, the older preachers that he knew showed up, he was concerned more about his reputation with them that he was about his relationship with the sheep. And it's a sad day for a church when a preacher does worry more about what the brethren think than what is good for the sheep. And I say that knowing these things. Now watch. It says here that even Barnabas, and boy, Barnabas was that guy that, you know, man, he's, he's the guy that always seemed to see the good in people and would, and would try to encourage them and console them and comfort them. He wasn't that bold, brassy guy that Peter was. And he was moved away with it too. He said, well, I guess I better not go out and eat that ham sandwich with Brother So-and-so tonight. <coughs> look at verse 14. Look at the wording. But when I saw that they were that they walked not uprightly. Now look at that. That means they were no longer, look at this. When I saw they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? The bottom line was, is it can somebody occasionally point out maybe some hypocrisy that's going on in your life that maybe that you don't see, or maybe you do see it, and they just kind of get in your face about it, and you realize, you know what, he's right. And I'm wrong. Are you correctable? If I begin to veer off track and somebody confronts me, can God get me back on track? Amen? Now, did God use Peter after this? Yes, He did. Because if you're correctable, you're changeable. If you're changeable, you're usable. If you're usable, you're profitable. And when He wrote Second Peter... He bragged on Paul. He said, Paul wrote some stuff that's hard for me to understand, but I want you to read what he said, and I want you to believe what he said. So, how about you? Hmm? All right, let's look at the third thing, and then let's go to the house, all right? Look in Philippians chapter 3. Let's look at the Apostle Paul for just a moment. If you're going to walk in the truth, you may have to let some of your old heroes go. That's what Apollos had to do. And he had to embrace some new ones. I, 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 probably th- I think probably Gamaliel might have had some impact on Apollos. I don't know. But he certainly was mighty in the Scriptures. He had learned some things. He was taught those things. You think he went back home and said, Hey, let me show you what God showed me. I think he probably did. Did everybody receive what he had to say? Maybe. Maybe not. Look in the Philippians chapter number 3. Here's what Paul said about the truth. He said in verse number 15. Well, verse 14 shows you his desire and his determination to press forward and to grow. I feel sorry for you tonight. You're stuck. Man, when I read my Bible, here I am. Sixty-four years old. Been reading it for over forty years, and I still get excited about reading my Bible. Because man, the God just shows me something else in it, or reminds me of something that's in it. Man, I just love my Bible. I love it. Thank God for it. It's real to me. It's not just a book. Man, it's it's my life manual. It's my war manual. It's my food. It strengthens my inner man. I'm always looking for God to show me something else. Look in verse number 15. It says, let us therefore... Well, verse 14 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm pressing on. Verse 15, let us, therefore, as many as be perfect. Brother Ed, what does that word mean? It means mature. It means you've grown. He said, be thus minded. And if anything be... And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Isn't that good? Is it possible God should reveal some more things to you? But look in verse 16. Nevertheless, we have o- whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. There's that word walk again. Let us walk by the same rule. He's not talking about setting up rules in a church and everybody has to follow the same little rules that everybody, maybe a preacher has set up. But you do need to follow some rules. But he's talking about you walking in the truth and minding the same thing and having the mind of Christ. That's what he's talking about here. And now watch this now, okay? He's saying, Brethren, be followers together of me, And mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. Did you know that if you walk in the truth, you're teachable, right? Which means you're what? Changeable. Which means you are usable. And you are profitable. All right? Here you see that when that begins to happen in your life and you see God using you, you'll find that you become a confident Christian. Because you know that you're walking in the truth and the truth works. And if they would just listen to you, that you can help them with some things that they're struggling with. Because you have become an overcomer. And it's not because of you, but it's because of the truth that has transformed you and you want to tell them the truth that transformed you. You say, well, Brother Roger, I'm not... I'm not too sure I've got the victory in every area of my life. I'm not talking about the victory in every area of your life. I don't know of anybody that's got the victory in every single area, every moment of the day in their life. Paul even confessed in this chapter that he had no confidence whatsoever in his flesh. But I am saying to you that when you begin to walk in the truth, you can be able to say, hey, listen, why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you come and learn some things? Let's have a Bible study. Let's let's sit and get some coffee. Let's talk about some things because God has developed in you some confidence that what you have works. Now, if you ain't working, what you got? I mean, if you're not trying to apply it and walk in it, don't export it. If it ain't working, don't export it. But look at this, verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an ensample. But then the, the key that I want to show you here about the Apostle Paul and walking in the truth is that truth makes you distinctable. Now that word means that you are recognizably different from something else of a similar type. Things that are different are not the same. There are a lot of buildings up and down this highway that are shaped like a church building and might even have a steeple on the top. And there'll be parking lots and there'll be stripes in the parking lot and they'll be having some services on Sunday, but things that are different are not the same. There may be some similarities, but they are not the same. And do you know what will make you distinct? is when you walk and you speak and you live the truth. You will be distinctive in your family and in your workplace. Now watch what he says here. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Wow. That would be somebody appealing to your fleshly lust and who are not ashamed to be just uprightly disobeying what the Lord says. This could be a woman pastor. This could be a woman evangelist. I'm trying to think of a popular one. Is there one named Joyce Meyer? She she has flocks. I mean, she has hundreds and thousands of people that show up with bobbed hair, and with a really boldness about her. Not a meekness. Not a shamefacedness. And not afraid to usurp authority and teach any man that's in that congregation the word of God. She does a better job preaching than some men that I've heard though. I'm just joking about that. But do you understand? But sometimes she does tell the truth. Sometimes she says things that are similar Okay, but what I'm telling you here is that it's about, okay, make me feel better, help me with my self-esteem. How can I make more money? How can I get more money? It was all about temporary and fleshly things. It's not about what does God think about this and what does God say about this. Now watch, he says in verse 20, for our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. And Paul's emphasis was on the eternal. And the Spirit of God will always guide the man that walks in the truth to help you to see how, how temporary this life is and to prepare for the eternal life that is to come and to tell you about those promises, to talk about the coming of the Lord and to prepare yourself for the judgment seat of Christ. A Bible-believing church may be similar to other churches in this town, but if we are walking in the truth, there will be some differences that make us distinctive. Some say that they believe the Bible. If you look at their websites, they say, we are a Bible-believing church, but they're not sure which Bible that you should read from or which Bible is true. And some of the Bibles they have remove some of the Scriptures, and some of the Bibles they have have taken out the end of the book of Mark and say it doesn't belong there. They talk about love, and they use the same terminology, but it's a different dictionary, and it's more about tolerance than it is about truth. And they talk about the cross when they are actually enemies of the cross because Jesus died for our sins. And Paul said that He gave Himself to deliver us from this present evil world. A non-denominational, non-doctrinal, non-confrontational church is non-effective in piercing the darkness. They may be able to draw a crowd, But it will be for the temporary life and not the eternal life. And truth makes you distinctive. You know what? When somebody says, listen, I'd I'd like you to tell me what the Bible says. Are you sure? Are you sure about that? Do you really want to know what the Bible says about this and this and this? Yes, yes, I do. I really do. What does God say about it? Make sure that man is taking the Bible and making sure that he's using the Bible correctly in its context. And when it is, receive it. And if God demands that you change something, then change it. You say, well, I don't think my children would respect me if I told them that I was wrong back in 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I think they'd respect you. I think they'd say, look, we walked in the life that we had, and God showed us more. And that's what we're doing now. I think sometimes that we are so, so proudful that we just cannot admit that maybe we were impacted and influenced by someone a little bit, and it shaded what the Bible actually had to say. The message of the cross is offensive to the lost man, but it is the medicine that he needs. And you and I must be willing to bear that. That's what he's referring to in the book of Philippians. But here's something else. If we're walking in the truth, I don't want to be a sourpuss about it. Don't take all the fun out of fundamentalism. If I'm walking in the truth and walking in love, I don't, I want to be able to have some joy. And I want to be able to, to enjoy life. I don't want it to be uh, in a situation where that I have become so religious that I'm just uh, that I am just, what can you say? I'm just so miserable. And I want everybody else to be miserable along with me. I don't want that. But I want to enjoy the joy of the Lord and the blessings of God. And I know that truth will make me free. And I know that, uh, listen, what it will do for you. Let me show you one more verse. I just thought of it. Let's go to the house, all right? Now, I don't want you all to come to my house. You understand? But go to your house, okay? You say, do you love me? Yes, I do love you. I do. But let me love you from a distance tonight. Just just go to your house tonight, okay? Second Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. You have Apollos, and you have Peter, and you have Paul. Boy, I tell you what, Paul caught it for being different. He <laughs> got, he caught it. But I want you to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and may the Lord help you with this and give you grace to do it, that you would walk in the truth, seek the truth, love the truth, walk in it, and let it change your life. Verse 1 says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. He said, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self. And what he's referring to there is at some point, pray and ask God to deliver you from the opinions of of others. And ask God to teach you the truth and then you walk in it. Apply it. Some of the things that you, yeah, that you have been, all of us have been taught over the years. Some of it's just simply not true and you're going to have to break loose from it. It's very hard to correct a conscience that's been formed religiously by some things that were simply not true. It's very difficult to do. And here's the thing that I always struggle with. Is it when God would show me something and move me further away? Because the Bible says if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. That the further you move away from legalism for salvation or for sanctification, you begin to realize how much you need the Holy Ghost and how much if you follow Him and you, and you walk in that Spirit of God that, that some of the brethren are going to think that you are compromising in some areas of your life. When in reality, you are actually maturing and you are actually growing and you are actually increasing in the knowledge of God and you are becoming more usable in the hand of God. Because now you haven't drawn such a tight circle that you can't impact anybody. You're not usable. And I'm not trying to be ambiguous with these things. The Bible is black and white about so many things. And I believe the word of God with all my heart. And I pray the Lord will help you uh, in these areas of life. But walk in the truth. Hunger for the truth. Be teachable. Watch what God does with you. All right? Let's stand together, please. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the East River Baptist Church. And I pray, Lord, that you would help our dear saints as they read through their Bibles and as they study their Bibles. That they would bow their knee and they would call upon you and say, Lord, what does this mean? And they would seek the truth and be willing to walk in it. And if need be, Lord, seek counsel. I pray, God, that you'd encourage them, strengthen them, change where change is needed that they might be usable and profitable in your hand. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. God bless you.